live edition of Salt Talks here from the iConnections Global Alts Conference in beautiful sunny Miami, Florida. Uh, we're proud investors in and partners with iConnections on our series of global events that take place in New York, Singapore, Abu Dhabi, and then for the first time in Jackson Hole, Wyoming this summer. But again, welcome to Salt Talks. And Salt Talks is really a digital interview series with leading investors, creators, and thinkers, where our goal here is the same as our goal at our Salt Conferences, which I described earlier, uh, which is to provide a window into the mind of subject matter experts. And one of those subject matters that we're very enthusiastic about is the digital asset ecosystem. Um, digital assets is an area at the Skybridge side of the house, as well as through our SALT conferences, we've endeavored to educate and grow um, that ecosystem. And we're very excited to have one of our partners on the Skybridge side of the house here today, uh, Steve Kurz, who's the global head of asset management at Galaxy, uh, who will be interviewed primarily by my partner, uh, at Skybridge and Salt, Anthony Scaramucci, who's our founder and managing partner. And I'll turn it over to Anthony, uh, but I'll chime in here or there with some follow-up questions. Doing a good job with that. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah, you know, I was just winging that posture's one. posture's good, too. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I can yeah, still yeah, work yeah, on the yeah, posture. Yeah, but I got to get there, too. Steve, how the hell are you? You're good? Great to see you. Yeah, so, so uh, you've been through the wars, my brother, <laughs> right? Which one? The, no, you've been through the some Lehman trade. One, yeah, the you've been some Yeah, the... you've been through some trade fi wars, some crypto wars. You're like a uh, you're like anymore, a galaxy right? fighter, right? You're oh you're an interstellar human being. But let's go back to the beginning, okay? Yeah. How'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Yeah, sure. So I, I grew up in Houston, Texas, uh, and then moved to Budapest, Hungary when I was eight. Uh, my dad's a Hungarian immigrant uh, to the United States, uh, and so we spent some time there as the country was coming out of communism. So he was one of the few people that spoke Hungarian and spoke finance, and so he helped the central bank come out of literally uh, you know decades of, of communism, and so. Uh, then my mom won over and we moved to Western Maryland, more cows than people, so, you know. I, so what town? Uh, Smithsburg, Maryland, so uh, okay. literally just five minutes from West Virginia, and it was, you know, a really interesting uh, difference than living in New York, going to Cornell, spending some time in finance, uh, and gave me a good lens that I think, I hope I still hold with me, but it was, uh, you know, it was just a very uh, a very different uh, upbringing than a lot of my peers. All right, so you're at, you're at Cornell, yeah. you decide you want to come to work in New York City, on Wall Street, your first job is where? First jobs at Lehman Brothers, I actually was going to drop out of Cornell for a, a worm poop company called TerraCycle. And this is important because uh, the Lehman guys, they, they loved Cornell. It was a good, you know, they, they could recruit from there. Uh, and, and they actually saw an article about well, TerraCycle. Well, just to, for viewers and listeners, tons of senior people from Lehman right, were Wade, from Cornell. Exactly. Marino, so they, yeah, had whole, yeah, they had a whole that whole freight system. train of people coming in and out of Cornell. Yeah. And to their credit, so I'm sitting around you know, selling worm poop in, at Cornell thinking about dropping out. Uh, we're in the Daily Sun or Cornell Daily Sun or Ithaca Journal. And the, the Lehman guys saw and they wanted to meet up. I said, I'm never going to work in finance. And uh, so they set up an interview. Uh, I said, look, I'm dropping out of school. They said, don't do that. Come have an internship in New York. And I loved it. So I, I, I kind of hard tacked into finance and then thought I was going to the best, uh, the best possible job on Wall Street. And that was in May of 2007. And I was there for, you know, about a year. <laughs> and then uh, so obviously when you were leaving, part. right, Anthony? So I left actually in uh, March of 2005. And we have similar stories. So I, I had sold my business to Lehman. They were great guys. I loved the firm, but I always had the entrepreneurial bug. Yeah. So I went to Dick and said I was starting Skybridge. Could he help me? And he did. He gave me $10 million of balance sheet capital. And then I did something that uh, I was told to do. And we can talk about this. I had all these options, 
and I had Stock and Lehman Brothers. And so I petitioned the management committee to please let me keep the options, not force my sale of the options wow. upon departure, because yeah. I wanted to hold everything. I thought Lehman Stock at that time was about 30, I thought it was going to 300. Yep. And so the management committee said, no, you're technically going to a competitor, we have a fund of funds. And so they flushed me out. Wow. They sold me at 40. Now, you know the rest of the story. <laughs> the stock went to 89, so I wanted to stab myself in, yeah. in the eyeball with a butter knife, okay? The but then it, went from, right? yeah. then it went from 89 to zero, <laughs> and so it was one of the luckiest things that ever happened to me that they flushed me out of it. So oh, what does that say about risk management? The well, things that we think we know for certain, we actually don't know, right? How about, how I thought Lehman was going to 300. How about this? The, te- the Wormship Company did 50 million in revenues last year. Lehman did zero last year. Yeah, amen. Well, Skybridge, Skybridge is still here. Lehman, we unfortunately don't see anymore. So, so, yeah. so now you, you go from Lehman to where? So I, I went to uh, work for Mike Novogratz. Uh, he, uh, he ran a macro fund. Obviously, the Fortress guys are, are well known in the hedge fund industry. I, it was a different league for me. I showed up in my Brooks Brothers suit that was too big. I missed, you know, this two, two minutes and I was like, this is not the same as what I walked away from Lehman Brothers. Just a different, different level, different, uh, different approach. And so I spent five years at Fortress in Singapore, in London, in New York. Uh, some strategy work, some product specialist work, some sales work, um, and really got an education in asset management. And, 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 and Lehman was part of the IPO for Fortress, right? right? Yeah, and, and the, the, I worked for Jared Waite, who actually kind of, yep. yeah, I think he Jared's led, led great the IPO. Guy. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Taught me a lot. Um, All right, so Fortress to where? And then I went to work for Bart McDade, who was the president for the last 93 days of Lehman Brothers, and, you know, he wanted to create a, 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 a nice, you know, 15-person firm that was high integrity, credit focused and uh, to the entrepreneurial point I didn't want to work at a big company and Fortress was becoming a big company so started that with Bart and with Alex uh, we built it to a billion and a half of AUM and I did that for five years before I got the bug again and quit to go start a virtual reality company so I've, I've had this pattern of kind of just once it gets easy I start something you know new. what does that say about you masochist I guess <laughs> you like pain I, how do you explain you like uncertainty you like uncertainty yeah, I, I just think that when the ground's moving I want to move you know, with it, and I, I, I felt, I remember feeling when I left McDade in 2017, um, nothing against credit, nothing against those guys, I just felt like the world was changing, and I was too young to, to coast, okay. and uh, I wanted to move into tech, and that's how really did, what got so me So how did the virtual, re- how did the VR business Well, it was fine, I got, I got my wife to quit Blackstone, we moved, we moved out of New York, uh, uh, I quit my job, we, we traveled around the world, we Is got she married. she still your wife? I'm just checking. So, so this comes into play in, in, a in, a, in a minute. I, you know, we, we moved to the West Coast. Five months into building this company, Novo calls me. He says, you got to come back to New York and start Galaxy with me. So I just, I'm agonizing, laying in bed. I'm like, Fiona, we got to go back to New York. She's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're crazy. To her credit, she actually joined Galaxy. She helped us go public. So she was a, she was a partner of mine at Galaxy for a year. We decided probably didn't want to do that for more than a year. A little crazy to have both of you in crypto. And, I stuck around and she moved back to traditional finance. So yeah, we're still married, so, we've got two kids. So did you join Galaxy because of Mike Novogratz or you had an apparitional light that dawned on you that crypto was gonna be part of our future or why did you join Galaxy? I got a lot of faith in Mike. I, he, he's, he's, he's really great at seeing uh, the big picture and synthesizing information and seeing around corners. He first said, because I said, look, I started my own company, I can't do it. He said, learn about Bitcoin and if you actually spend time learning about Bitcoin, intellectually honest and you're not interested, fine. But, but I want you to go through the process. So I, I came in, I met some of the, the, the early young crypto guys. You can't unsee it, you know that. Once you learn about Bitcoin, you see the problems in the world. So Bitcoin drew me in, but Mike drew me to Bitcoin. Okay, I mean, it may, 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 yeah. may, makes sense to me, but you know, this guy doesn't like 
crypto, but now all of a sudden he's starting to like crypto. He didn't start liking crypto. <laughs> he's obviously is that, is that is that you, or did you have <laughs> no. the apparitional light reaction? No, no, no I, I got it right. I got it right away. I mean, to, to my dad's point, like my dad's traveled all around the world. He's seen what happens when monetary systems get debased. He 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 believes in math and computer science, which is what Bitcoin is, and and you don't really need to know much more than that, really. Right. I just want to. I just want to state for our viewers and listeners that that was fake. I would fake, like to correct that the was record. fake news from John Darcy. I've <laughs> never. I've here? never hyperbolized anything in my life. Okay. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, John. You, John, John, you have I would like questions. to correct the record. Okay. okay. Obviously, okay. I own digital assets. I'm still at SkyBridge <laughs> after our deep foray into digital assets. So. It's our definitely near, not our, our several, you guys been our several Neil <laughs> death experiences. Years. We've had yeah, nine years. We've That's had like good. capital digitalis performed to the heart of Skybridge as we were trying to survive. But, but go ahead. what I you would say is resilient. Bit, I mean, it's, it's impressive. Well, we're not going well, anywhere. He, he's yeah. like a nuclear cockroach. He's yeah. like falling no down, got stomped on 50 times. We're going to crawl. We're going to crawl out of the hey, rubble. That's, that's Bitcoin, right? Amen. But Bitcoin always resonated with me as as the you know the cliche digital gold narrative. You know, it's a it's a finite uh, supply, non-sovereign currency in a world of dysfunction yeah. and uh, money printing and excessive spending. It is something that people around the world can hold and have faith that it will stay the same supply and, and that the value will be you know, somewhat stable. I would say some of the other uh, you know, more speculative aspects of the crypto world turned me off a little bit. Not that I haven't dabbled in NFTs and things like that, but I, I thought at the height of crypto, you know, a couple of years ago, I thought there was a lot of excess. Yeah, that's, that's true. But two things can also be true. Like, like it wasn't just Bitcoin for me. I, I, for, for maybe it was the reason that we talked about the entrepreneurial thing. My thought was love Bitcoin, love Mike. This makes sense. This stuff might be wrong, but what if some of it's right? That was sort of my mentality. And, and all of it doesn't have to be right. 5% of it, 2% of it has to be right for this to be a good way for me to spend my time. And, and at that time, you couldn't prove it. There's no, you, you were sort of imagining things. Well, if Ethereum does this and this happens yep. and then that, you, you couldn't have a rational conversation with a credit investor so and be think, like, this is how you model so, it out. So you, you have the genesis period of Bitcoin and digital yeah. assets. Yeah. And then you have the disbelief from the traditional finance people. And then you have all that skepticism. And then you go through a few hyper cycles. Yes. Uh, the, yeah. the most uh, painful one for us thus far was the November 2021 hyper cycle. Brutal. Uh, and then we had all the fraud and all the deleveraging. So where are we now? Are we yeah. in a more mature phase? Are we still in the genesis period? Where, I'm, where would I'm, you say we are right now? I, I'm not, I, I guess I would say I'm happy that it happened, as painful as it was. If that had happened when we were not a trillion or two trillion dollars, it would have really hurt people. And it would have really hurt the potential of crypto. So, it, you know, we took You're our saying medicine. saying the overall market cap of crypto being at that it, high. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was not insignificant and people did lose money, but I, I, it, it showed that we as an industry hadn't done a good enough job of avoiding some of the things you just mentioned and, and we needed to take our medicine. There was a lot of hubris, there was a lot of ego, there was a lot of nonsense. And so I kind of think 2022 was cataclysmic. Uh, obviously, the, the you know the, the first quarter last year was terrible. Last year was about digestion, right? You had the, you had Binance uh, being resolved. You had some of the court cases working out. We were chosen, uh, thankfully, to manage the FTX wind down. We're, we're really grateful for that opportunity. So cleaning up the mess is how I'd say 2023 was. And what I think people miss about the Bitcoin ETF now, everyone says it's so great for Bitcoin. BlackRock and Vesco are not going after the Bitcoin ETF just for Bitcoin, right? And it's not just about tokenization either. If you make the tokenization bet and the Bitcoin bet and the Ethereum bet, you're really making a financial infrastructure bet. 
And, and so, so, right. to, so, to, so to me... And our world of financial infrastructure is changing. And, it's, and, and, and the it, way we transact exactly. with each other is going to change. If you're coming to this space with a blank slate and you, you ignore all of the bias and the things you've heard and the headlines and, and, the, and, the, and the froth and you just start with where we are from that lens, it's almost impossible as a thoughtful investor to say I shouldn't be involved. There's some, you're, not, you're actually not being honest with yourself. And so I, I, it's, hard to, it's hard to lose the brain damage of the past, but I think that's what crypto people need to do because the world changed like that. Everyone's business, it's much more competitive. And if you haven't woken up to that, you're out. And that's a good thing, actually. Right. I think that's the first time that FTX has been mentioned. I haven't gotten Ooh. like a, yeah. a skin rash or <laughs> some type of psoriasis buildup. Oh, God. Where are we, to the extent you're able to talk about yeah. it, where are we in the disposition of FTX's assets? Yeah. And where do you think we go? I mean, is this like Mount Gox, where it goes on for 12, 13 years? Yeah. Is it... Uh, well, we got. I mean, what you got to give John Ray a lot of credit. I mean, he, he did Enron. Uh, he, he's 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 a real guy. Uh, obviously, you know, there, there are things that, that we can't talk about. But what what I can say is that um, they have been incredibly thoughtful and methodical about segmenting things out. So you got the liquid crypto, you've got the venture, you've got the uh, the, uh, the exchange, you've got the trust structures, you've got the venture portfolio, and they've got a real process going. And he's been able to get a work a work stream with the UCC, with the ad hoc committee. That's been very constructive. And you know, without going into details, we, we've been pretty aggressive in the run up at getting through a lot of what needed to be got through. And, and our job was to do it quietly and professionally. And I'm happy to say that we've done but, it. But I mean, but this is on the public river. They still yeah. own a ton of Solana, right? Well. There's the Solana and the Lock Solano, and uh, uh, you know we we uh, we've we've been we've been opportunistic, let's say, uh, on the way up with Solana, and, and uh, yeah, I think we're in a really good spot with the estate on that. But front. they have a lot of Lock Solana, right? That's true. Yeah, that's true. But I think Solana at 100, uh, and Solana having gone through what you this nuclear winter, I think Solana's established itself as a blue chip crypto, right? And that, that, that's just happening before our eyes. They're, they're now in middle school if Ethereum's in high school and Bitcoin's in college. Like getting to middle school is really hard for any crypto asset. So I just think there's a buyer base in Solana that's going to support. They're going people are going to want that lock Solana. Is my point. Okay. It's a different are we station. are we allowed to ask prediction questions here? Right. This is our podcast. Right. We do whatever we want. Right? <laughs> so so we're here a year from now. Yeah. And you're drinking out of an iConnections mug. Oh, that's a nice mug. I have nothing in my iConnections mug, but that's fine. You finished well, the whiskey. No, that's, okay. that's all right. Well, yeah, I finished the vodka. Okay. So <laughs> where is Bitcoin a year from now? There is no way that the ETFs, I mean, I think the ETFs are already 3% of, of the 21 million Bitcoin supply, and we're two weeks into that. that, that just, you just got to hold that in your mind. There, there's no way between the halving and the ETFs, uh, we, we run an ETF with Invesco called BTCO. Uh, we, are, we are focused on LATAM, we're focused on Asia, we're focused on Europe, we're focused on the wealth channels. That contextualization in a portfolio hasn't happened. You've never had it in the model portfolios. You've never had the solutions teams focused on it. You've never had the regulatory check from from the SEC, even if they did it grudgingly. So, the, so supply is not going to. So demand is not going to go up overnight. But a year from now, it will have gone up, and you'll have a, a steady cadence of buys from the ETFs that are hundreds of millions of dollars. You'll have the having that it happened that that reduces the inflation rate to one percent of Bitcoin, and. It'll be less volatile, but still volatile, and you're probably, you know, a little more than double where we are today. Okay, so nearing a hundred thousand. What yeah. about Solana? I think Solana. The question for Solana, Solana still has to prove itself a bit on the tech side. They've had uh, zero downtime on their network since last February, which is a huge achievement for them. They're playing to be the efficient, fast-cost blockchain that just is everywhere, and they're doing a really good job of executing on that roadmap. What Solana needs to do to be multiples of where it is today, they need to follow the same institutional 
path that Bitcoin and Ethereum have followed. So you got futures, CME futures, Bitcoin and ETH have that. Then you have OSC approved ETFs, Bitcoin and ETH have that. Then you get the futures ETF, Bitcoin and ETH have that. Now we've got spot ETF in the US, that's next for Ethereum. Solana hasn't even taken that first step. So, so while Solana is a major in crypto, it hasn't taken the path to becoming an institutional investable asset. That's probably what next year is going to be all about. I don't know the timing of that, but if they can achieve that in addition to hitting their tech milestones, Solana got a ton of upside. They so, got to execute but, 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 and, and just for our viewers and listeners, so in order for an ETF to be packaged, Bitcoin is deemed a commodity. Correct. Yeah. Ethereum is then has to be deemed a commodity. Is correct. that correct? Yeah. Well, and where's yeah. the SEC's position on Solana? Well, the SEC's formal position is is, is vague by design. Um, I think in a year we, we, we may have a different commissioner. Um, I, I don't think that anti-crypto is, is actually a Democratic Party platform. You, 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 I'd love your, your take on it, but I, I think if you go to Hakeem Jeffries and if you go to Gavin Newsom, if you go to Maxine Waters, it's a very different lens than Elizabeth Warren and Sherrod Brown. And, and, and I don't know why you'd hate crypto. You, you can't hate crypto so much that you're willing to give up the digital rails that are going to carry the dollar dominance forward. And so there's just a wisdom that's missing. And, and I think that, I know you're talking about Solana, but it's all tied up in the same thing. If they can't understand that this is about the future of capital markets, and therefore it's a national security imperative, th th then forget it. We've got, we've got a whole different bag of issues. I'm not even talking about DeFi. I'm just talking about how in the US are you going to build the rails that are going to allow the dollar and other assets to seamlessly move when everyone else in the world is doing that. And, and, and again, you can't hate Solana so much that you torch that. That makes no sense. And I think most people in Washington get it, but there are a few in this administration that don't, and we've been held hostage by that. I got a question about Galaxy. You know, yeah, you guys sure. have this $5 billion under management. You're one yeah. of the most successful crypto asset managers. Obviously, we're all bullish on digital assets, broadly Bitcoin, various other tokens. When you guys are thinking about how you provide value to an LP, in your funds, what's the approach that you guys are taking that's that's driving your? Output? There's a couple. There's a couple principles. One principle is, and we've been non-negotiable on this. Like we, we haven't traded on exchange at all with our asset. We've always gone OTC direct to cold storage. That helped us avoid FTX. There are very few places that we actually go, so we avoided Luna in the asset management. Pit. So avoiding the pitfalls and not doing stupid stuff is actually pretty hard to do when the world's going crazy. I learned that from Lehman Brothers. I learned that from Bart McDade. So that, that's been kind of our, our, our philosophy. And, and then underneath of that, we don't think crypto is one thing, and we don't think that everyone approaches it the same way, so we're a platform. We want to have venture funds. We want to have active funds, high vol and low vol. We want to have passive funds, and we want to be able to be opportunistic and help out an FTX estate. And I think if we do that really well and, and knock on wood, we're doing an okay job, that's going to take care of itself. And, and the real bet that we're making on the asset management side, uh, AB put out a really good report. They said it's a cottage industry, crypto asset management, 50 billion is what they said in, in, in the fall. That's supposed to be 500 to 600 billion in five to six years. And the ETF is the catalyst for that to start to happen. So that's what I'm thinking about. I'm, I'm, how, how, do we, how do we take our share of that and be a part of driving that forward? Uh, over over the next five years, and the way we do it is we, we we deliver returns. We don't screw things up. We do what we say we're going to do. All the things that that every asset manager that has integrity does. So that's kind of a, it's kind of a stock answer, but it's really hard to do that in crypto, as you guys. I think yeah, and and I think you know one of the next challenges, as you said, the SEC has begrudgingly uh, approved Bitcoin ETFs <laughs> and thus yeah. blessed the asset. And I think inevitably they will lose. I think what are going to be inevitable court battles around Ethereum ETF and, yeah. and potentially future coins. But um, what do you what do you see as the next wave uh, in terms of 
big developments that take place in the crypto universe? Well, on the institutional side, even though it's obvious, we're just getting started, right? Invesco's our partner. Invesco's the second biggest issuer in the ETF issuer in this race. Yep. And, and those guys, I mean, it, they, have, they have so much infrastructure and ground game, and, and it's, it's just getting, that's what people are missing. Crypto's so fast. You know, everyone in a second, oh, this is what's happening in a week, this is what's happening. This is about a year, two years, three years down there. Look at GLD, I'm sure you guys have, have, have done that analysis. That, that story is gonna be a major story now and in the future. The degree to which those companies like Invesco are talking about the future of capital markets and leaning into these other things are gonna be uh, you know, the, the key drivers of what, how far we can go with that. And I, I think we're gonna be surprised to the upside, that, that's my view. So we're excited about that partnership. On the crypto side, I really think that the, you know, you've seen AI capture the, 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 the attention, crypto two years ago. You need both of them, right? AI is this top-down, mechanism of control. Crypto is this bottom-up, almost libertarian thing that is protecting our privacy and that kind of right. thing. If you didn't have crypto driving forward in the last five years, you wouldn't have had all the ZK-proof technology work that's been done. You need that ZK-proof stuff to keep the models honest. You need it to make sure that it's actually Anthony Scaramucci who's saying something on, on TV and not someone else. That's going to be a reality of ours in a year. John, John wishes it was somebody else saying something on TV, but we're gonna have fun with that. John. I think this is actually AI, Anthony Scaramucci. Yeah. We, we <laughs> holograms. Why I'm like mostly muted here, but but my my question to you is, you're a young guy, you've seen the whole landscape yeah. of traditional finance and decentralized finance. Why? What's your message to people that are missing this? What, what's your message to the skeptics, you mentioned Sherrod Brown or Elizabeth Warren, but how about the traditional finance skeptics? Uh, there's a guy by the name of Jamie Dimon, I don't know if you ever heard of him. Um, <laughs> a lot of friends who work for him, we, we, you should see our text arguments about this. I also have friends at Vanguard. It's, you know, it's a lot of people working the, on crypto with, with JP Morgan. What's the message? Well, the message to my, my friends is, is <laughs> I'll answer it in two ways. The, the people working under those guys are, 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 don't agree. So I think anyone who's, I'm 38 years old, anyone who's under 40 almost uniformly has a view that that's not right. And, and that in and of itself in a, wealth, in a generational wealth transfer era is important and worthy of note. So, be, so the arrogance of, 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 of telling the younger generation that's not that young anymore, you know, this is how it's supposed to go, I think is, is something. I, I, what I would tell people is ignore the noise and focus on one or two things that are real or that are at least developed in the crypto space and just start there. When the internet happened, our job at Galaxy isn't to defend crypto, just to be clear. Crypto's whatever the world wants it to be. The internet was whatever the world puts into the internet. You, you don't defend everything on the internet. You, you focus on the few things that matter. So I think, it's, I think it's a distraction point. People get distracted by a lot of the nonsense in crypto, and that's because crypto is noisy and you got a lot of shitheads and you got a lot of people that, that make uh, you know, stupid decisions, but there's a lot that's real. And I think the mistake is calling it all one thing. So, so it's, it's three years from now, I'm going to buy stock in Apple computer. Yeah. Is my Apple stock tokenized? I think so, yeah. Is it on my so. phone? Do I have a smart and uh, secure wallet where my I think, I think it's, Apple not, computer stock gonna, is right there on my phone? I think so, yeah. And you're, 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 there's going to be so much, uh, there's already been so much work on, uh, it's only going to really scale when no one really thinks about it being crypto or Web3 backed or anything. And, and, that, and that integration is much closer than we expect. What people have been quietly doing in the last two years behind all the financial aspects of, of crypto and the noisy fraud of crypto is they've been building 
tens and tens of billions of dollars was put, in, was put into venture in crypto in the last cycle, and you have passionate young entrepreneurs, the smartest coders in the world, that have, what's different this time around is they're solving known problems. Six, seven years ago, you were sort of saying, well, again, is it going to be, are we doing modular blockchains? Is it a theory? Like, no one really knew. And, and now you know, you need, you need compliance, you need AML KYC, you need better UI UX, you need, you, you need the integration of what, like, there's a company we just invested in called Mesh. It's all about an app that allows you to take your Venmo balance and buy crypto through Coinbase in a seamless way that's protected. That, that's the start of what you're talking about. And, and, and they're already there with the, with the technology. So it's just a matter of, of how that all kind of plugs in and where scale really takes hold and who wins that race. So I, I think for sure in three years we'll be there, yeah. You talked about Invesco, BlackRock, you know, integrating likely Bitcoin into some of their macro models. A lot of these big asset managers, it's going to drive huge demand for the ETFs just by integrating Bitcoin into an overall asset allocation. What about institutional LPs? So we're here at the iConnections Global Alls yeah. Conference. There's a lot of there's sovereign wealth funds here. There's pensions, endowments, foundations. That crowd, from our experience, has been sort of allergic to digital assets to this point. They've done some crypto venture. That's some of it's gone okay. Some of it hasn't. Yeah. Um, but I think now with the SEC blessing Bitcoin through the ETF, you might see a little bit of a change of their tune. Do you agree with the notion that, that some of those players might start yeah. sniffing around coins and digital assets, or is it still yeah, too early? Well, so you're right. It's been, it's been venture and, and basically passive, which is to say Bitcoin and maybe some ETH. And so that's how we built our asset management business. Only now are we really focused on when you have exchange traded products and options on them, and then you've got the underlying, and then you've got uh, companies, public companies like Galaxy, like Coinbase that you can go long and short, you've got credit instruments. You're starting to build a toolkit where you can actually have a hedge fund. So I, I, think, I think the biggest surprise over the next two years is going to be that belly, that liquid active space is finally going to you know, uh, come to the, the forefront. People are uncomfortable in the LP seats becoming portfolio managers, let alone around 80 vol assets. And so some, some of the way it's going to happen is through existing multi-strat portfolios, legacy asset managers, and I don't mean that with, with, with prejudice, like it's just going to happen and they're not going to feel like they have to make the call. Uh, and then some of it's going to happen because you're going to have much higher, we screwed it up. Active management in crypto was liquid VC that's, that's don't worry about it, it's liquid, it's going to be fine, down 95%. Doesn't work for LPs, doesn't matter that it came back. They just, they can't live in that world. We screwed it up by saying market neutral funds. There's no market neutral funds in crypto, right? That's the same thing as Lehman Brothers. You had contagion on the back end, right? And so, so we have to be honest about what's possible, and that's the starting point. You have to be honest about volatility, and you have to be honest about where you won't go and where you will go and the trade-offs between that. And a lot of asset managers haven't done that. So I, I, th I think the Bitcoin ETF, what's going to happen is by June, July, you're going to have Bitcoin higher. It's going to, you know, who knows until then. Everyone's going to say, wait a minute, I missed on that one. And then by the fall, they're going to start doing work, and maybe by December you get allocation. So unfortunately, it's going to take a while still, but I think it's different this year because of the ETF, and it starts that process. Yeah, no, we observe the same thing in the context of our conferences, too. It's, it's starting to become not a non-starter, but sort of how do we start doing more of the homework? Yeah, and you, you, need, you need Skybridges. Hopefully, Galaxy is a part of that. You, you need people that are talking in a rational way about crypto. That, that, that's really what it's, that's what it's all about, and, and, and contextualizing it for these guys. And in the same way that the wealth, uh, the, you know, the army of uh, salespeople at Invesco are going to go and, and contextualize Bitcoin in a portfolio with BTCO, we need our sales teams on the alt side to be contextualizing it in an alt portfolio. What I, what I like about your messaging, though, is that, uh, let me be the naysayer for a second, I think a lot of these people don't like it because it's speculative. But what I like about what you're saying is it's actually, some of it is speculative, but there's a, 
a rail system being made. So Correct. if it's three years from now and I'm buying a meal here at the Fountain Blue, what is the credit card charge from American Express, MasterCard, or Visa? Or am I doing a wallet-to-wallet -wallet transfer with the hotel? I actually think it's going to be, I think it could be all of the above in the same wallet. Right? And it's sort of your choice, right? It, do, do, you, do you want the points for Amex or is, or is there a better incentive mechanism around the token or, or has Amex figured that out? Like, I, I don't think it's going to be either or. I really think you're going to choose your own adventure through the same application. But there'll be more options than I have Way right more now. Options. Yeah, and I, th I think it's going to be seamless and I, I think it'll be, you know, you, we, we've talked about Delta Miles and all, all that's going to just find its way to these rails at the same time. And I think three years is, a, is actually the right timeline. I'm glad you're asking it that way because everyone says five years and that's too far and one year is not, it's, it's probably somewhere in there. Yeah, like you said, I think when crypto really arrives is when we stop talking about crypto and when yeah. people just take it for granted, it's embedded in our daily lives. Yeah, Bitcoin's already getting boring. I mean, from a crypto perspective, not, yeah. not from a traditional world perspective, but you know, that's boomer coins, a real thing. I mean, that's yeah, volatility will continue to go down um, as it becomes a more mature asset with the ETFs, as you talked about, steady flows as opposed to- It already has, right? Yeah. Just in anticipation. Just very happy I kept my hair through this whole cycle. <laughs> hair looks good. Yeah, the hair's <laughs> hanging in there, but I was, really worried that I was losing it. I got some gray. I was Go also thinking young. about like getting a barrel and suspenders there at the end of 2022. Oh, man. It was, well, it was, it was really the first quarter of 23 that so was the, terrible. So right? the best year in the history of Skybridge and yeah. was 2023. But if you had asked me at the iConnections conference at the beginning of 2023, what was the year going to yeah. look like? I would say we're going to be at the bottom of the swimming pool. So, so, Ron Biscardi so, didn't even want to be seen with yeah. that because it was in that's the wake true. of the FTX that's true. Ron, Ron Biscardi was like, oh, my God. Uh, the, the taint of FTX I'm, is I'm going to be diplomatic. We're, we're good yeah. friends with Ron. And, you know, <laughs> no, no, I love Ron. I don't have We're, we're that, partners you know, with Ron. Yeah. It was a little bit of gun waving on his part. I forgave him for it. But, but yeah. the question I have for you, yeah. are we out of that woods? Or are we going to see a 90% drop in crypto, uh, 80, 70, 80% drop in Bitcoin? Uh, is Ethereum or let's say Solana, is Solana going to go from 100 to... 10. I don't, I, what I think is, I think the hard thing for crypto companies is not going to be that or for crypto investors. I, I, I think that the competition changing so rapidly as we're not yet in a full bull cycle is going to create a very difficult operating environment for a lot of companies and for some investments. I don't worry, I, I don't, I think the 90% is off the table for the majors because there's just so many people that are looking to build a long position over time. And, and it's just, you know, you have a use case in a lane. Uh, but I think there's a lot of crypto companies that are still going to go out of business. I think a lot of crypto funds are going to go out of business. And I think a lot of crypto coins and projects are going to go out of business. And I don't, I don't want that to happen. I, ju I just think it's, you know, if you haven't woken up to 0% fees on ETFs and what that means for retail exchanges or, or any of it, right? Or even in the US, look, our policy in, in DC is very difficult for DeFi, and it's going to be for a while. Fin, when FinCEN's focused, that's really different than the SEC or the CFTC. So there are hurdles for pockets of crypto in the US uh, that remain. And so, I, you know, it's going to be this really one size doesn't fit all uh, world for the next year or two. And you, you got to really pick your spots where you focus your team and allocate capital. See, there's there's the legend himself, Ron Biscardi, now. And, and, <laughs> he heard you, he heard you uh, He's OK <laughs> now with the crypto stuff. Before he was trying to drown me in the bottom of the swimming pool last Listen, year. Listen, Ron, I, I had your back. Because you can of my run the tapes <laughs> with crypto, but it's okay. I do love Ron Biscardi, and uh, we've come a did, long way in a year, though. It did I hurt. Agree. It did hurt my feelings when he was trying to disassociate himself from me, but it's fine. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, all right, okay, so he still lives. Yeah, yeah. All right, that makes sense. It's been, it's been a long year. We were talking, we were walking on the boardwalk here on Miami Beach on the way over here to record this podcast episode, and I was talking to Anthony about what you said, is that I do think not just a lot of protocols are going to fail, but I think a lot of asset managers are going to yeah. fall to the wayside, and I think there's going to be a few dominant players, and I think Galaxy is well-positioned to be the black rock of crypto. God willing. Well, the, I, I, you know, I like Invesco because we're partnered with Invesco, Invesco but, there you but, go. but I will say that what BlackRock did in 2008 uh, with some of the advisory workout stuff really helped their brand. I think that's what we're doing with FTX right now. And I, I, if we do a great job at that and we, we help clean up the mess, I think that's going to say a lot for, for us in the future. And we feel like if we can execute and prioritize, we're in a good spot. And, you know, we were talking a little bit before we went on, but just the resilience of crypto, you know, me as someone who came at it he's from a skeptical like a, he's angle. almost like a crypto shrink, though, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, more, I mean, more couch feel time. Well, you, when you go through it yourself first, it's easy, you know. Yeah, yeah, I like it. That's no, no, sorry, no, John, no, no, Novo had me at his house for a three-day meditation retreat before all this, and, uh, you know, he's, he's convinced that's why we are where we are and I'm where I am, so. Right. Just the yeah, resilience of crypto, everything that it's gone through, you know, FTX, Binance, Terra Luna, all these things, and it really absorbed all that in a very healthy way. Um, what a story! Yeah, that's a, but that's resilient. I mean, look at—you saw supply chain supply chains during pan, the pandemic. I mean, we want resilient systems in the world, and we, we saw we, that was laid bare in many ways. I mean, when that's when a when, free when market, China you know. this is when I really knew that I made the right choice. When China shut down Bitcoin mining, and 50% of the industrial capacity of Bitcoin went down overnight, and the next block hit. Okay, this I get it. Right? I mean, that, that's, that's a profound thing, right? It's never happened. But isn't 10% of the mining still happening in China? Yeah, well, look, and, China, and China's now gone the other I mean, Hong Kong's opened up for the financial side, and, and, and they've loosened the, the reins a little bit. But my, yeah, my, my, my point is, that when people say, shut it down, my, how? You can't shut it down. Right. It's anti-fragile, for China. sure. Yeah. It has value. Just that alone has value in the world. Well, we'll probably wrap it up there. Steve, thanks for joining us here Steve, on Salt you're, Talks. You're Thank a great you guest. Galaxy has been a great partner to Skybridge. No, we appreciate the great I appreciated the three, the, the free therapy. You know, I didn't have to pay any Satoshi's for it. So I'll, I'll, I'll be here all to go week. to a meditation retreat <laughs> with, <laughs> with Novo. I can't go to a meditation retreat. My head would explode. But we'll go ahead. Take us great. out, John. Take all us right. out. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us here on Salt Talks. Again, from beautiful Miami Beach, Florida, during iConnections Global Alts 2024. Uh, again, we're very grateful for the partnership with Galaxy and the partnership with iConnections, and uh, this is undoubtedly the biggest and best global cap intro event in the world. So we're very grateful to be here and be working with iConnections. Reminder, if you want to watch any of these episodes of Salt Talks, uh, they're all free and on demand on our YouTube channel and on our website at salt.org. We're on Twitter, or I guess I should say X, at Salt Conference is where we're most active. And as I said uh, in our previous taping, it's always fun to follow at Scaramucci on X, where we get a combination of crypto commentary and election commentary uh, as we lead into what will be an interesting uh, election season in the fall. Just so you know, Darcy fall. writes a lot of those tweets, particularly the anti-Trump ones. Say, the most inflammatory ones are from me. Yeah, that's that, it. That yeah, sense. exactly. He's <laughs> blasting, blasting away using my address. But I will say that Anthony uh, labeling Gary Gensler and Elizabeth Warren, the regulatory axis of evil. That was all of his doing. I can't take any credit for that one. Or a regulated uh, institution, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and as Jeremy Allaire said in Davos, you know, we have a little bit of a different PR strategy than you know, a company like uh, Galaxy and Circle, which does more business, I would say, with the government. But anyways, thank you for joining us here on Salt Talks. We'll see you back here again soon.